This is episode 167 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 167 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have David Atwell and Mark Gano on the show. And they came on the show to talk about what they're doing at a very high level. They are hotel buyers. They're in hospitality. Uh, they talk about the funds that they've started, crowdfunding real estate, which is something I hadn't actually really heard of. I, maybe I'd heard about it loosely, but I'd never actually um, talked to anybody who's been doing it. Um, so they're doing smart hotels in Quebec, in both Montreal and Quebec City. They're scaling up their operations from 25 unit hotels to much bigger. They're running something called a digital concierge, which basically means they don't have a hotel staff member sitting at the front desk. Everything's done digitally through the phone. So it's that whole minimum wage is rising and people need to keep their costs down. Well, this is the strategy that hotel owners are now taking to keep their costs down. So they just really are paying their cleaning staff, but they're not having to pay people to sit at a desk 24 hours a day. So cool concept. It was also very cool that uh, Mark and David found a way to outsource the operations of these hotels. They're really working on a Burr model with apartment buildings. So they have kitchens, they have you know full units, but they're operating as a hotel with full license to do so. So very interesting concept and model. And they really are taking advantage of the ability to finance residentially and get that 75% loan to value. So I'm confident you're going to enjoy this episode if you're thinking about doing stuff that's a bit bigger and maybe you're interested in getting into hospitality um, a lot of us are interested in Airbnb. Well, Mark and David are taking that to a much bigger level here. Just before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that if you're new to the podcast or you're new to real estate investing, it's strongly advised to go right back to episode one and work your way through and learn from all the wonderful guests we've had on the show. There are so many gold nuggets that have been dropped. And again, you can grab my cash flow spreadsheet for analyzing deals on my website at andrew-hines.com. And just click the cash flow tab there and you can enter your credentials and have that sheet sent to you. Finally, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and just hit the like, subscribe and notification bell and leave a comment on this YouTube video. If you're an audio listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five star review and rating, it would be greatly appreciated and it'll help get this podcast to more people. Thanks so much for doing that. Now let's jump into episode 167 with Mark Gano and David Atwell. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Mark Gano and David Atwell on the show and we're going to talk about lots of exciting stuff including some hospitality, uh, hotel buying. Uh, this is just uh, what, what's been relayed to me and it sounds super exciting. So guys, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, I, sir, I uh, definitely am looking forward to it. Um, just to start off, could you guys give me a little bit of a, a breakdown of who you are, what you've done to date, and how you kind of ended up in real estate and in, in this particular uh, vein of real estate? Cool. Sure. I mean, that, that's a bit of a longer story. So my name is David Atwell and with me is Mark Gano. Uh, we're the co-founders of HoneyTreeGrow.ca. Uh, we focus on acquiring uh, real estate deals that have good burst strategy potential. We look for good value add and exit refinance and hold properties. Uh, just in the past couple of years, we've been focusing specifically on the extended stay hospitality model and using a digital concierge, essentially buying outdated hotels and converting them into a tech-enabled uh, hospitality product. Uh, we're dropping on Addy on April 5th. We have our second deal dropping with them, and uh, we've got some really cool stuff going on that we want to tell you about. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, the bigger history is we've been doing real estate investing for quite some time, both individually and together. We both started out doing things like student rentals and duplexes and 
more traditional burrs. We then moved into multifamily. Um, I mean, we both uh, have done a significant uh, amount of real estate. I did my first 100 doors, took a seven-year break, and then came back uh, and uh, joined forces with Dave here. And then we've done over another 100 doors since then in the past few years. And the 100 doors more recently, are those... Uh... Are those doors uh, in hospitality or are those more apartment apartment doors? Uh, a mix of both. Okay. So obviously things have switched over to this hospitality model and I'm going to, we're going to sort of deep dive into that. Um, why did the two of you see that as a fit to work together for something like this? So, I mean, this went back all the way to 2018. We were frustrated with the multifamily market in Toronto specifically. The cap rates were just so incredibly low, even back then. I mean, look where they are now. So we started looking at other markets to find better value and better better valuations. Uh, I booked a trip out to Montreal just to, to check out the residential multifamily. And it was actually the hotel itself that I stayed at that caught my attention most that used this digital concierge concept. They use the extended stays model. And that's really when we started to look into this asset. You know, after two years of looking for hotels, you know, we were on the verge of giving up because there's so few deals that pop up. Uh, they're just great businesses to have. They make great cash flow. So, so few people sell them. It wasn't until the pandemic, you know, a few months in, our phone started blowing up and all these brokers started contacting us with hotels for sale. Yeah, a lot of people got a little nervous when, when the lockdown started. So I guess that's when yeah, you guys saw is, the opportunity. Yeah, this is back in 2020, you know, it was three months into the pandemic, you know, we're, we're seeing all these hotels pop up and it was like, we were just waiting for it. We were very ready for it. Oh, okay. And so you struck, struck while the iron was hot. That's well, right. Well, exactly. I mean, I believe it was Warren Buffett that said, be, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And we were seeing a situation where people were very greedy when it came to multifamily, but very fearful when it came to an extended stays hospitality model. And I agree with that completely. Like you always got to be looking at what, what does everybody else not want to do right now? Because that's pro that's probably what I want to be doing um, or find Absolutely. a way, find a way to operate within that space. Because um, if everybody else is avoiding it, then they're, they're, they're missing the opportunities within that space. So, Absolutely. Very cool yeah. that you guys did that. Can we uh, get into a sample deal and talk about what you found, what you've done, and really dive into this digital concierge concept? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, so the, the first deal we bought is in downtown Montreal. It's a 24-unit uh, boutique hotel. It's about 10,000 square feet. We bought it for $3 million. It needs about, I'd say, $40,000 per unit in upgrades to convert it to this digital concierge. Um, the way that we look at it is we're actually underwriting it as multifamily. So every unit gets a kitchen. Every unit has private accommodations. Nice. This is what banks and appraisers are looking for when they're, when they're helping us finance it. So that's one of the most important pieces of this puzzle. It does operate as a hotel, but the, our lending partners are looking at it as multifamily, which is one of our, one of our favorite parts of the deal. Okay. So you said how many units is it? 24. 24 on one zone. retail. Plus one retail. And are, yep. what are you putting into the retail for Reno? We're actually converting that into another suite. So there's, there's an office and uh, the retail space. And then there's actually one very large suite that we're dividing in half. So we're going to have 27 units when we're complete. Okay. So would you say, so $40,000 times 27 would be a pretty safe number for yep. a renovation? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's about 1080000 dollars and then would you have a number allocated for carrying costs and soft costs and, you know, on top of that? 
Yeah, yeah, and that's something that's that's very important when we do our underwriting because we are very conservative when we do that. So we make sure that when we buy a building, when we acquire a building, we feed it with a full year's worth of operating expenses right from the start. So a full year's worth of mortgage payments, a full year's worth of property tax, utilities, everything. So that even if we don't make a single penny of revenue during that first year, mm-hmm. all our expenses are covered. Right. So in this case, what what's the time frame to do? So you buy for $3 million, um, then you do the $1,080,000 or 800000 No, $1,080,000 80. yeah. over, over a set period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that about a year's work? To, to run all those units? Yeah, it, it doesn't even necessarily take a year. A lot of it's the, the planning, coordinating of material and yeah. trades, even just getting the building permit, as you know, that's a few months mm-hmm. right there. We, we do plan for one year. After one year of holding the asset, we will have converted it into this extended okay. state model and we'll be starting to look at our refinance and exit. Okay. So this one, what would your budget for carrying costs have been? So we had to use a private lender. It was incredibly difficult to get financing, uh, especially three months into the pandemic. We had to settle with a 9.25% interest rate plus mm-hmm. fees. We prepaid upwards of $300,000 in interest in advance. Our property taxes are about 75000 and plus we have about twenty-five to 30000 in uh, insurance. So yeah. we're all the way up to $400,000 pre-raised capital. Yeah. Now we were very fortunate because 20 July 2020 all the way up until December we had a pretty strong uh mm-hmm. hospitality recovery so we were actually making some really good income. We decided right. not to renovate then and actually and make some money instead of turning down the great summer season then we can start doing work in the winter. Oh okay. So you guys you guys continue to just operate this as the hotel that it was for a little bit. That's right. Yeah, we did yeah. some minor upgrades. We put in some uh, mm-hmm. some keypad locks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and just ran it as is. Yeah. And okay. And shut, and uh, you've initiated that now though, the renovation? Yes. Yeah. So we've completely repainted, redecorated. Uh, truthfully, we've purchased a couple other properties that were in, in need of, of more work than this one. So we've mm-hmm. decided to focus our renovations over there first because this property yeah. still makes great income as is. And that's that's a nice thing if you can use it to make some income and just maybe even renovate it while operating it. But that's kind of tricky too because you don't want well, to very- stay. That's very tricky. So by having three yeah. hotels under one roof, that's something that's super beneficial because we can yeah. shut down one, put all of our resources there and have the other two still yeah. operating. So let's just focus on on this one for a moment. I know you've you've kind of had you shuffled around a bit, but so you'd sure. be in if you just finished the renos on this one, you'd be in for about four point four eight million, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. What four would your what would your new value be on on that? You figure. So there's two ways to look at it. There's the the hospitality side of the valuation, or there's the multifamily. So mm-hmm. using multifamily, uh, our appraisal came in at, at an average of twelve fifty per month uh, to rent it out. It just says straight straight residential. Okay. Yeah. So twelve fifty times twenty seven. Uh, what are we at? About three hundred and sixty eight thousand, roughly. We operate at a thirty percent operating expense ratio. Mm-hmm. And then we are sitting at about a four and a half cap in Montreal. This asset will be worth about just about 5.8 million when, when it's complete okay. appraised as multifamily. Okay. And that's what you're expecting in a multi, uh, multifamily appraisal. Yeah. Right. So you, target, you just like that as like a contingency because it, it, it gives a lot of ability to pivot to a lender in a lender's eyes. Like if we needed to take this asset back, we could just sell it as multi, which we know is super hot versus hotels yes. are a lot more volatile. If you know, something like a lockdown or an outbreak happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. That's exactly it. And it also gives us flexibility when it comes to operational strategies. Yeah. We can operate as, as a multifamily. We can operate as an extended stay. Sure. Okay. So if you were to, if you were to be able to get 75%, do you anticipate that you could, or would you be closer to 65? We do anticipate 75% loan to value. We're, we're extremely transparent upfront with our lenders. They know we are going to run this as uh, hospitality, uh, mm-hmm. but they don't underwrite it as hospitality. They underwrite it as multifamily. So we're targeting 75% loan to value, hundred percent loan to cost. We're probably going to be closer to 90% loan to cost. And with a 25 year AMOR, 1.4 to 1.5 debt coverage ratio. Okay. All right. So they'll allow, they'll still, uh, sorry, just recap. So will they take the income as per running it as a hotel, or they're just going to take the 1250, uh, per unit. They're just looking at the multifamily appraisal. Okay. Okay. We do, we still appraise it as hospitality, but they, mm. that's really just for reference. Yeah. Okay. So let's, or, or if uh, we were to sell it down the road, we could sell it as a hospitality if the market is more beneficial to sell it as yeah. hospitality. Oh, yeah. at the time. I love the flexibility. Uh, I'm all for multiple exit strategies. So I think that that's, yeah, that's 100%. brilliant. Um, so on this, let's just get an idea of what the operating would look like so taxes on on this building you said they're seventy five thousand annually yeah approximately yeah and then we've got um insurance we have about twenty five thousand annually correct yep. yep and um maintenance on something like that plus you've got staff like what kind of budget do you have for maintenance and well i don't know if you've separated those or probably have yeah so so we outsource our operations uh we we operate at a 50 percent operating expense ratio so our operator will collect 50 percent and then um pay the property tax and insurance and Mm -hmm. all of the utilities and expenses on our behalf just 50 percent just that's yeah just clean yeah so what number are they taking the 50 percent on they're taking on what you actually generate and if that is gross revenue yeah. yeah. So what are you actually anticipating to generate? Not the 1250 a unit, because we know that's not what's going to happen. No, no. So the metric that we use is rev par. So we're looking at a hundred dollar rev par, which is revenue per available room. That means on average, you take into consideration of seasonal changes. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a hundred dollars every day, 365 days a year per suite. Per suite. So 365 times yeah. 27. We're so pretty close to just yeah, just yeah. shy of a I think it's nine eighty one. Is it uh, 985.5 Is what I got here. <laughs> okay, so we're just under a million there. I like how you're crunching the numbers with us. It's really impressive. Yeah. Um, and and we apply a fifty percent operating expense ratio. So we're landing at rate at about five hundred thousand. You know, for as our NOI. Yeah. So now our cap rate is going to be much higher than compared to multifamily using this analysis. Yeah. So your cap rate's looking. At a 5.8 valuation, when you're done, you're an 8.5 cap with, uh, I mean, an actual debt coverage ratio of like much, much more, lots, <laughs> yeah. 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 much more than you need. <laughs> like 2, <laughs> 2.0. Yeah. Like uh, I'm just doing some adjustments. What do you think your interest rate will be? Well, so when we're financing as multifamily, they know that there's that risk involved of, yeah. of hospitality. So it's going to be higher on yeah. the A side. It's more like B rates. We're looking at four and a half amortized over 25 years. Okay. So, so then your debt coverage ratio I got here with higher interest rate being about 1.7, I might've made a mistake here, but it's, so, but you're still showing on that, in that monthly cash flow of just shy of $17,000 a month on that, uh, that operation, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's spectacular, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, I know you had a comment. Well, I was just... one, one thing I wanted to point out, you know, using the half a million dollar NOI, uh, even though our cost basis, you know, we're at, we're at about four and a half million there. The cap rate that we're looking at upon completion is actually lower sevens at that point. On our acquisition, we're about eight and a quarter, eight and a half. But on completion, we're about seven, seven and a half. So, you know, the appraisal is working out to be upwards of seven, seven million dollars. As an extended stay. Right. Yeah. So if, if, if we actually value it correctly, so 5.8 is extremely conservative. Obviously a buyers are going to see more value in it. Banks want to be conservative. You're playing their game, but we, yeah, we know the market, how it goes so crazy. And I don't think banks really know how to handle this stuff. Like this, this craziness in the market, they don't really know what to do with it because their parameters don't really allow them to lend to you based on those values. Right. They, if you don't meet their debt coverage ratio, they're just not going to give you the loan or they'll scale it back. They'll scale it back until it works. And if you don't have the money to come up with the difference, then no deal. Yeah. But if you look at the financing there, say the bank appraises at $7 million as a hotel, they only want to give you 50% loan to value 65%. You -hmm. know, at best you're landing at three and a half to four and a quarter anyway. Mm -hmm. So so when and that's going to have a much higher interest rate than the the multifamily side. So when we appraise it, we're quite happy that they're looking at multifamily. Mm-hmm. The other exciting thing is our debt ability is going to follow the multifamily market. Just a year and a, two years ago, when we acquired our first deal, the 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 rental rate they appraised that was only a thousand fifty. It's gone up twenty percent in over the past two years. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, once it goes up another hundred bucks or so, you know, we're going to be able to increase our debt on this and, and pull some equity out and go buy some more cool properties with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many incredible opportunities with the way the market's going up. I mean, it's also frustrating, but I mean, we're going to watch these next couple of years. Probably things go even crazier, and then yeah, you're going to have a lot more opportunity to, to yeah. refi. I mean, yeah. as it is, it looked like. You know, if you do get the 5.8 value and you get 75%, give or take $130,000 net investment for you guys. Yeah, um, we're pretty close to 100% yeah. loan to cost. And, yeah. and that's a two-year deal at most, right? So we're thrilled with mm. that. Yeah, I mean, like how much, how much would 16900 change a lot of people's lives? So, and that's just one deal. It's actually funny. Yeah. I, I just interviewed a guy uh, the other day and I'm going to be airing his episode and he bought one in Grand Bend, 15 units. He's figuring on about a million in revenue after he's done. On, that's amazing. On that. exactly. Now, not the digital concierge model, which I, I want you to tell me about. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, it's not that your expenses are that low at 50%, but it, it may be a, a little bit lower than regular hospitality. It is. So regular hospitality sitting at a 65% operating expense ratio. Okay. Yeah. So you, let's, let's use a million dollar revenue as our starting point, because that's going to be really easy for math. Even just having somebody sitting at the front desk for 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, mm-hmm. you're going to pay three people 40 to $50,000 each. Yeah. So times three people. So you're looking at 120,000 to 150,000 just in front yeah. desk staff. We're not eliminating staff entirely, but we have one team that can remotely manage multiple locations. So even just using that metric, where now three people can now manage four locations, five locations, six locations, we're really bringing that operating expense ratio down from 65 and even closer to 50. Another thing that needs to be taken into consideration by in, installing our, our smart water valves and our smart electricity, for example, mm-hmm. that's actually reducing our insurance costs and our utility expenses as well, because we know if water has been running for half an hour and there's not a guest in that room, it's going to get shut off automatically. We know yeah. if somebody's leaving the lights on after a checkout, that also gets shut down automatically. So all these things add up to a, a reduction of our operating expense ratio from 65 down to 50. 
Okay. So there's a little bit more of an investment there to, to add these features, all, That's right. all Wi-Fi connected and controlled in yep. the cloud, I guess. Yep, exactly. Uh, okay. And when you say digital concierge, so people walk up and what, they check in on an iPad? No, they it's everything through their phone. Uh, so they can download an app and the app will provide instructions on either a keypad code using Salto locks, or they can use Bluetooth to remotely unlock their room or using NFC where they can just tap it. So a guest arrives, they're provided instructions on how to access the building, directions on how to access their unit, and, and they're able to create their own experience using their smartphone and, and create and, and from an environment that we've created for them. Very interesting. Now, are people that receptive to downloading an app or do they have to download no, the app? They're not receptive. Yeah. Uh, they, they also get the instructions through their, their email. So they'll yeah. get instructions where they just get a, a keypad. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone's staying for more than three to five days, they're really going to want to download the app because there's all kinds of other cool things that can be done with that as well to yeah. make their stay more comfortable. Yeah, yeah this is the app this isn't seems, mandatory. Right. And that's kind of critical. I, I can't. I mean, I get it sort of like, I don't like downloading apps, but when I ask people I like, Hey, can you download this messenger app? They're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I don't want to. And I respect that. that. Yeah. You know, we don't want to create problems for people trying to stay at a hotel, but it, it really does add a lot of value to their stay if they're willing to yeah. do so. It's interesting. I, I, I went to a golf simulator that had a similar approach. They sent an email and you can actually press the button given in the email you just press it and, and then the door would buzz you open. And it would only do it on your set time. So if you had a book from one to two, it it would only open five minutes before one and up until, you know, probably five minutes after two. They had a similar technology. I was just saying, I'm assuming that's very, fairly similar technology to what, uh, to what you guys are doing. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So all of our door codes change automatically Um, within 10 minutes of the guest arriving, they get a new uh, keypad. And then within 10 minutes of them checking out the the, the key code changes. If a guest decides that they want to stay longer, they can notify us and that'll extend their their keypad. But if somebody decides to overstay their welcome, well, unfortunately, that unit's going to shut down on them and it's going to lock them out and they're not going to be able to stick around for too much longer. And what happens for the uh, like cleaning staff getting into these units? That's right. So, so they're given unique codes as well, and it's only in a in a specific time frame. So, if they're supposed to be there from one to two o'clock cleaning a room, that's the only time they can access the space. If it's nine p.m. the following week, they're still not going to be able to access the okay. the building. That way, you're sure the right people are at the right places at the right right time. You're not getting theft. You're not getting break-in from from maintenance people or cleaners or, or previous guests. Mm-hmm. The, the codes change as soon as their their time to be there is is gone. And where are you? Where do you find somebody to manage this for you at at fifty percent? You know, I mean, like to just be able to hand that off. Like that sounds like a dream. Yeah, it took a lot of research. Uh, we spent, I mean, we were looking for this asset since 2018 and, and we spent two years looking and doing our research and, and trying to find deals, right? And so and once we acquired it, we had done a huge amount of research on it. And, and there are companies out there that exist that, that will operate using a head lease model or, or a revenue split, a triple, triple net revenue split, essentially. And um, it just took a lot of research to find the right people. Okay. And what's your typical approach? Because a lot of people, they wouldn't even know where to start. Like, what would your typical approach be? Like, you know, you want to buy this. Was it networking with people, you know, in these areas? Was it, you know, a lot of Google searches, combination of all the above forums, what have you? Yeah. Yeah. Combination of all the above and, and the ground game. 
uh, having people like Dave going out and, and knocking on doors and, and getting to know the people in the areas. Okay. Yeah. Like Mark actually found our, found our operator. And um, it was actually the perfect timing because they had lost all kinds of business from air, their Airbnb. And then, which may, meant they had the bandwidth to take on a full blown hotel like this. So I just said uh, they had they had the ability to take on that kind of arrangement. Yeah, yeah, and, and they had past experience in running hotels, even in other countries. Oh, okay. So these these were, this is a big company then. That would, no, they're not necessarily a big company. They're, they're two individuals that have just done a lot of work in hospitality specifically. Yeah. Okay, they've they've worked for larger companies and then have okay. set up their own shop. Yeah. Nice. We have looked at using companies like Sonder, for example, and that is something we are looking at. We, we're working on an acquisition in Quebec City, and it's a, it's a much higher-end hotel. It's a four-star hotel where you're going to have a more high-maintenance client and high-maintenance guest. This is something where we're going to look at acquiring and converting it into a Sonder, uh, updating it to their standards, and just simply handing it off to them as well. Yeah, because like you're doing a lot of stuff that's very specific for the tools of the operator, right? The operator would be handling all the day to day using the technology you've provided. Uh, is that how they yeah, wanted correct. it, or did they want? Um, like, would they rather do some of this, or they said, "Hey, just do this exactly for us, and we'll take it from there." Well, when you look at a company like Sonder, they hand you their their Sonder standard package, and so you know exactly what kind of lighting you're using, what kind of floor what kind of salt locks, even which, which, which product of salt that you're using, that's all outlined. When we partnered with our group, we, with, with our current operators, we explained to them, we want to build something that looks and feels like a Sonder, but we're going to keep everything in house. We're going to use our own branding and they're going to take it, hand it off to them and they're going to operate it as if it's almost like a mini Sonder, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with Sonder. Is this like a hotel chain in, in, in Quebec? Well, actually they're worldwide. Yeah. Okay. And they also do the the smart hotel extended stays model. Okay, they are one of Airbnb's biggest competitors. Uh, they're about a two billion dollar company. They are from Montreal. Is a young entrepreneur named uh, Francis Davidson, and he graduated from McGill and he started uh, managing Airbnb operations. And the concept of Sonder is to create a head lease uh, Airbnb experience mm-hmm. for established hotels all over the world. Very interesting. So they're how old of a company would you say? I'm just, I just pulled up like their website. Five, five or six years. Okay. So Sonder was sort of the model you guys based it off of. You saw what they were doing, wanted to keep it in-house. Um, but you said you could have Sonder manage your hotels as well. You, you'd be the owner and just outsource to them. It really depends specifically on the hotel asset itself. They have about a minimum unit quantity of 50 doors to make mm-hmm. it worth their while to set up their teams and all that. We're buying stuff that's about 25 right now. So mm-hmm. these hotels specifically, they said we would love to, but it's not, there's not, there aren't enough units. Um, okay. But however, there's another property in Quebec City that we're, we're working on acquiring where this would make sense. Okay. So break down for me what you've acquired to date in this type of property. Yeah. So we have three in Montreal. Uh, each is about, uh, so we have 2024 St. Denis. Um, 874 Sherbrooke, which is our first Addy drop, and 2048 St. Denis, which is our second Addy drop. They're all within about a one and a half kilometer radius of each other. The, 
Yeah. The two what's, Addy, what's Addy drops? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Addyinvest.com. Uh, it's the crowdfunded real estate platform, a uh, Vancouver-based tech company. It allows everyday Canadians to invest as low as a dollar into real estate. Yeah. And are these uh, exempt market products? They are not. It, no. It, it falls under a similar exemption, but it's a crowdfunding exemption as opposed to an OM exemption. Oh, really? Okay. That's a very interesting. So can anybody do that for a project, like for a syndicating a project or are you syndicating single projects or are you, are you doing no. it as a fund? So, so anybody can invest in Addy, but Addy obviously has specific issuers that they put up on their shelf and okay. that they're willing to partner with. So if you can get Addy to, to uh, put you there, there's nothing regulatory that would stop you. No. Correct. Oh, no, we, we simply have to go through the due diligence process with Addy. They have okay. to uh, approve us as, as issuers and, and as well yeah. as approve the product okay. uh, and the project that we're doing. And then they simply become an investor. Okay. So they're an investor. And then, so people are people buying shares in Addy or are they, how is that working? So or Addy sets up. Yeah. So, so our investor is Addy and then Addy turns yeah. around and issues an OM. Okay. And everybody else like is able to invest into Addy's OM. So Addy is a the- fund then. Yeah. And they go through the crowdfunding. Well, they actually, they set up a corporation. That okay. corporation buys units of our LP and okay. then the Addy members buy shares of their corporation. That's very cool. I haven't heard anyone uh, talk about this on here yet. So, I mean, we've talked oh, about funds a bit, yeah. but we haven't talked about Addy, obviously, why I asked yeah. you. But I mean, what, make, what makes that great is you don't have to be an accredited investor or even an eligible investor. Anybody can yeah. invest and it's anybody. It's, it's as literally as little as $1. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That, that would so, even cover processing fees. Obviously, no one's going to do it for a dollar, but... Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. the average investment is about $500 on our deal. I mean, one of the most exciting things for us is, you know, we had 792 people invest in our Sherbrooke deal. That's 792 people who are likely going to stay at their own hotel if they're ever visiting Montreal. So it's in in part increasing demand for our own real estate, which could even drive the NOI further. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point, right? People mm-hmm. people want to you know feel proud. Oh, I invested in this one. I've you know I've got a few bucks into this one. Um, yeah, so that, that's pretty cool. So you were you were able to generate the funds uh, that way. Now, what's what's the cost of the funds look like, and and what portion of your funds um, are coming? as equity that way. So there's no cost to the fund. So all of our capital, all of our capital partners are, are close friends, family and uh, accredited investors in our, in our close community. So mm-hmm. we're not outwardly advertising the public. We're not bringing in complete strangers. It's all people from our own networks and our own capital resources. Uh, Addy doesn't charge us any fees for, for, an, for buying units in our deals. Um, what they get is a $25 membership fee from each one of their members as their okay. annual cost. That's so that's their only way of monetizing. Other than that, it just yeah. covers their yeah. they just cover their expenses or their expenses come out of the twenty five a month. The twenty five dollars, yeah, yeah. That's very very cool. I, I didn't. It's a, I, oh yeah, I didn't it's a great platform, that. and we're we're honored to be a part of it. We, we submitted our deal to them back in July, and it was a solid six seven months of due diligence on us mm-hmm. to make sure we were the right GPs to fit to work with them. And, um, and, you know, once we got green lit and they, as, as GPs and, and our deal, you know, we're so excited mm-hmm. to work with them. I have known of Addy since 2018, 2019, and really around the time we were launching honeytreegrow.ca, I thought these guys were going to take over all crowd funded real estate. I, I thought they were GPs. I had no idea that it was a tech company. Wow. And what, yeah. what does it look like your, your typical deal? Like how much equity are you guys giving up 
So it's about a third. Yeah. So one third. So you guys are still bringing in significant um, cash for the deals as well. And yep, then you yep. have about a third coming in as, uh, as other investors. And how do you see yourselves being able to use that platform or that model and carry it forward and grow? Like what, you know, what ideas does this have going in your head or, you know, or how does this have you thinking bigger? Well, one of the most important things is connecting with our digital concierge. When we have a, a guest stay with us, the reason we got into hospitality is because I stayed at a hotel and I thought it was cool and I wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, our digital concierge is actually going to be able to sell our guests an Addy membership. We may have a promotion where it's like leave a five-star review, get a free Addy membership. And oh, by the way, you can actually own a piece of this hotel or this mm-hmm. next hotel that you're staying at, maybe we buy a place in Vancouver. We mm-hmm. think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to create a community around that and create a hospitality brand of travelers and owners staying in their own real estate. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So what, would you put a cap on it? So you you say up to 33% or up to this hard number, which represents 33% um, will be sold? That's going to be up to the discretion of Addy, essentially. But each Addy member can only invest a maximum of $1,500 per deal anyway, right? Okay. You know, we're, we're in discussion of what that may look like to be a more fluid investment. Because if we have a guest staying and they want to pop in $1,500, well, that means there needs to be 1,500 units worth of, of equity that they can buy, right? So we're, we're going to speak with them to figure out a way how we can turn this into incorporated with our mutual fund trust, for example, which we're opening in a couple of months. And for your mutual fund trust, will that be, that will actually be, uh, what do you call, sorry, I'm, I'm blanking, registered fund eligible? Yes. So people yeah. can invest their RSPs. So that you're actually going to have yeah. an offering for through an EMD? Yeah. Yeah. That will have an offering for through an EMD. All right. Yeah, it's an offering memorandum it needs to be able to, to do registered. Yeah. It'll be offering memorandum and declaration of trust that'll be sold through an exact yeah. market dealer. So that's a, yeah. that's a significant. Now, is there another, like, obviously you have an exemption through, through the crowdfunding. And I guess that part of it is the limit of how much each, each um, can invest, which is understandable. Um, are there any other exemptions that you guys could have, have taken or did you have to go EMD as far as you know? Well, in order to get the registered funds, you need to go through an EMD. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there um, might've been other ways to get exemptions, but it wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't have been RSP eligible. Wouldn't have been TFSA eligible. Correct. I mean, you you can. So, I mean, anytime you're you're getting investors from the general public, then you have to be very conscious of the securities regulations. Um, they're very very stringent with regards to what you're able to do and who you're able to to speak to. Um, the biggest thing is is they don't want any of your information going out to the general public unless you have an OM. So without an OM, you're very limited to accredited investors that you know, uh, because I mean, the Securities Commission doesn't even want you advertising for accredited investors. Right. It's it's quite simply just. And that's my understanding too, but I've heard like in the States, there's a different, a different approach though down here. I was just wondering if we have that something similar, like you can, I don't know if you can advertise, but you can advertise to non-accredited, but only take like 35 and that's Okay. So there isn't there is something called an eligible investor category in Canada, um, but again, that has to go through an EMD. Okay, 
Interesting. Yeah. This is a whole new world. I'm, I'm looking at this avenue as well. And there's just so much to know and so many conversations yeah. to have. It just like never ends. <laughs> oh, I mean, we, we, we've sat on uh, conference calls where we've had four different lawyers and two different accountants on the, on, on one yeah. call. And you can't <laughs> have them without each other, right? Cause you have the lawyer saying one thing, the accountant saying another, and then you want to yeah. have at least, you know, one guy who set up like three funds already. Um, well, exactly. <laughs> and, and then the best part is I ask them one question and then they all look at each other and say, Oh, well, we're going to have to, call up so-and-so the tax lawyer <laughs> to, to get the answer. And I thinking in my head, I'm like, you've got four different lawyers here and two accountants, yet none of them know the answer to the question yet. Yeah. They still have to go get yet another lawyer involved. It's so complicated. That's why I feel like it's best to just yeah, find somebody who set up three of them and say, guide me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Uh, very interesting business though. And like that, I really do think that's a great way to grow. Um, if you guys, if you guys do that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's coming. How soon? Hopefully in a couple of months we'll have that. So we've already initiated uh, it. It's, we've it's already initiated okay. lots of lots of discussions with the lawyers. It's simply a matter of of pushing the paperwork through with the lawyers, mm-hmm. and then and then from there going through the appropriate steps with the the OSC here in Ontario. Okay, and will it be strictly raising in Ontario, or you'll be raising across Canada, potentially in the US? Uh, across across Canada for now. Um, once you get into the US, it's a whole other set up uh, everything has to start over from scratch to be able to raise in the u.s well and plus you'd have the cross-border tax filing issues and that's <laughs> All the biggest sorts of issues because i'm looking yeah. to do stuff down here in the u.s and uh it's just so much more just the accounting side oh you don't want double taxation so you have to structure it this way right but Oh, but no one else wants us to structure it that way the lenders don't like it that way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that kind of fun stuff all right. So where do you guys, where do you guys see yourself in five years from now? Uh, we look to be growing honey tree really, and uh, have that grow so that we have uh, locations, not just from the hospitality standpoint, but continuing with other, other property types such as multifamily and going nationally as far as Canada and quite frankly, internationally as well. Uh, we were looking quite aggressively at going into the States just before COVID hit. Um, then borders closed, which prevented us from being able to go down there and, and, and take a look and do the research that we wanted to do. And, and as Dave mentioned earlier, then these opportunities presented themselves here. So we're, we're going with these opportunities now, but uh, we still have an eye out for other opportunities, not just in elsewhere in Canada, but also down into the, into the U.S. Yeah, we, we do believe it's going to be a big, a big shift occurring in the hospital, hospitality space over the next 10 years. This was something that was already beginning to occur in the mid around 2015, where this technology was becoming really available and really mm-hmm. popular. And so we want to be a part of that where we're going to be targeting boutique hotels and, and helping these owners exit their deals. And they could even potentially invest with us so they can sell us their deal, take their proceeds and invest with us. We'll convert it into a digital concierge. We'll convert it into a smart hotel, so to speak, and bring, bring new life to their asset. And, and essentially implement the burst strategy for them. So we are going to be going out looking for these deals all over and, and, and looking to add these to our mutual fund trust. Very cool. And um, is there anything else you would wanted, would have wanted to share about all this and your experience that I haven't asked you about? I think you've done a great job. You've, yeah. you've really uh, <laughs> pulled this deal apart quite thoroughly. I'm very <laughs> impressed how you're crunching numbers with us at the same time too. Yeah. I, I get a lot of feedback that that's what people like about this podcast is I dig into the numbers with people. Yeah, 100%. Cause, 
I think it kind of activates people who are watching and listening a little bit. Like they can really conceptualize the deal when they understand the numbers better. Um, and also proves that your, your guest knows their numbers themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's good practice. Right. And then you can think, Oh, okay. I could do that. Just need to find an operator that'll charge me 50% and we're good. <laughs> Let's go get a deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's lots of people who have like bought a condo and put a condo out on Airbnb and they recognize intuitively, like both intuitively and through, through action that you can get more cash flow by renting it on Airbnb than you could through a monthly rental. Yeah. But that does now you're running a business and that comes with extra work. It does. Um, and it also affects your financing. But the biggest thing is it puts you it puts you in jeopardy or at the whim of the municipalities. I mean, if you look at all those yeah. people that bought a condo in downtown Toronto and were renting yeah. them on Airbnb, and then City of Toronto changed their bylaws and now you're not allowed to rent the condo on Airbnb, yeah. it really changed things. So one of the things that's really crucial for us is we're buying properties that have the proper license. So we're not going to be in a situation where all of a sudden we can't rent this uh, as, as a daily or weekly rental, but there's nothing that prevents us from renting this as a monthly rental. Right. Just the HST application. Although would that apply in, in in Quebec? Would you have to charge, I guess, GST? Yeah. PST, QST. Yeah. QST. QST. Yeah. 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 That that is a, an excellent point. So there's an organization called the CITQ, which is the Center of Tourism Information in Quebec. They were essentially created to to help affordable housing. There were all kinds of ghost Airbnb hotels being set up in Montreal and taking housing away from the market. Well, that's a very serious problem, especially in in today's lifestyles where affordability is just incredibly difficult for young people. That's why they said, okay, you have to have this license to even be featured on Airbnb's platform. So we're targeting these CITQ licensed hotels, and they have spaces large enough to be converted into a multifamily uh, private accommodations, and then we can convert it to the extended stays model. Very cool. All right, guys, this is a really interesting conversation. Um, what I liked about this was just super focused on on this one topic, but I think it was a really valuable one, and a lot of people are going to be interested to hear about this. And it's funny that I just That's somehow great. this always happens. I'll have like two episodes in a row where we get into a similar thing. Um, cool. <laughs> but I like that. I mean, it's like it was meant to be. Um, cool. So, anyways, where do people follow you guys or reach you guys? Like a lot of times, uh, our viewers and audience they'll want to um, follow people on Instagram, or if you have a YouTube channel, or if the, you just want to, you know, drop some contact info, we can do it that way too. Yeah, so ch- check us out at honeytreegrow.ca. Uh, sign up for our email list so we have your contact and we can reach out to you or schedule a call or a meeting to chat with us about our deals. We'd love to chat with some accredited investors and people who may be interested in our mutual fund trust. Um, and so we just want to get to know people, get to know what they're investing in and see if this is something that's uh, interesting for them. Okay, very yeah. good. And any parting words of wisdom for people aspiring to be, uh, you know, start a fund or buy a hotel <laughs> or get into hospitality? <laughs> you better get in hospitality quick because the window's going to close very soon. I think we're, we've got about a five or 10 year window where this conversion is going to be happening. Uh, hospitality is like most, most cities and provinces are pretty much fully open. Mask mandates are being removed. So the revenues, the backed up demand for mm-hmm. tourism is really going to come into fruition in the next couple of years. So if you want to get in, get in quick. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, you know, these asset prices just keep going up. So yeah, it's uh, not that they, you know, will go forever, but I mean, that's been the trend. So it seems like it's a, a good time to get in. But uh, anyways, guys, really, really nice talking to you. Appreciate the uh, the time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.